Hello, you're listening to the Stay Whole podcast. I'm Sanjay, your host. My aim is to help you demystify the world of health and wellness using evidence-based lifestyle interventions that will enable you to live healthier, happier, and more productive lives. This revolves around three key principles, eat, live, and move. We are designed to move. We are designed to move freely, roam, walk, run, climb, crawl. The human body can move in so many different ways. Just think of all the different events that you see at the Olympics. Many of us, however, have lost the connection with movement. Our modern sedentary lives have made us a slave to technology and convenience. One person who has not lost his connection is personal trainer and friend, Philip Elder. I met Philip when I first entered into the fitness industry during my time in Dubai. The self-confessed careful trainer, Phil has always paid a great deal of attention when it comes to technique inside and outside the gym. In this episode, we talk about his journey into fitness and the environment that helped him to create the identity. Now a father of two toddlers, we go on to talk about how important it is to put the fun back into movement, particularly for the younger generation. He goes on to share some excellent ideas to keep children active and how he survived a strict lockdown in Dubai while suffering from COVID-19. It was great catching up with Phil after so long. We left so much more on the table to discuss, so I'm sure that there will be a part two around the corner. So here he is, Philip Elder. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Philip, thank you very much for joining me on the Stay Hell podcast. It's great to have you here. Um, Been a long time coming uh, talking to you. I know a lot about you, but it's been a while since we have caught up, although we did just catch up briefly before we hit the record button. But give the listeners just a brief explanation as to who you are and and what you do. Okay, great. First of all, thanks for having me. Um, And it's really good to catch up with you again as well. Um, Yeah, so my name's Phil Elder and born in New Zealand, raised in New Zealand. Um, I have always been into sports like all kinds of sports, but I'd say predominantly my main sport was football or soccer as we call it in New Zealand. Um, Besides soccer, I played cricket, volleyball, uh, tennis, uh, surfing, running, trail running, cross-country running, um, just a whole bunch of modalities. And I think yeah, if we if we go a little bit through my timeline, I then went to university. The only thing I could think of doing was um, Bachelor of Sports Science or Bachelor of Physical Education, which is like a sports science degree. Uh, that was four years, and I did a postgraduate diploma in sports medicine um, while I was working as a personal trainer and playing football in the National League, which is uh, New Zealand's equivalent of the Premier League. But I'd say it's a, a few steps down from the English Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> so really busy. And then um, and then from there, I came over to Dubai in 2007. Um, so that was about 14 years ago. And since then, I've worked as a fitness manager. I've worked as an education and training manager for a fitness company, teaching personal training qualifications and um, various uh, tools that we use in the fitness industry. And from there, I joined a, a company as a freelance uh, personal trainer where I met you, Sanjay. And from there, I moved to Up and Running Sports Medical Clinic, and I worked in the clinical type environment, and I've, I've been doing that for the last five years. Recently left that job four weeks ago, 
most people hold on to their jobs at the moment. I let that one go and have decided to set up my own personal training or private personal training studio called Forge Fitness and Performance. And that should be open 1st of June. Wonderful. You've, you've, I'm very disappointed, Phil. You, you've, you've, you've mistaken on when we actually met. It wasn't, it wasn't when we, when we got together and started working. That's, that's, that's a, a, I was wondering if you'd get that. We actually met, I I know exactly the day that we met. We met when you were the training and education manager for, was it MeFit Pro? Is it, yes. is, it still, is it still called that? I don't know. It's still yeah. called MeFit Pro, yeah. MeFit Pro, yeah. You were at MeFit Pro and it was Viper. Do you remember the good old Viper? Yes. I Viper do. training. Yeah. <laughs> that, it was the day, the day, the weekend or the weekend or whatever it was of Viper. Yeah. And we had Gavin. I remember, the coach, I remember the guy's name, Gavin from Wales. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Gavin from Wales. <laughs> it came along and it was me, you, Grant. It was Shav. There was a few others that we all, that, yeah, the feel of the fitness crew. You're right. I remember now. I'm so sorry. Yeah, we actually went on to the master training course for the, the Viper at that time. That was the time when it was like a really big deal to be the master trainer for different pieces of uh, sports equipment. Dude, I'd only been in fitness for a few years at that point, And then I got selected by you and whoever else it was to say, hey, yeah, come and be a master trainer. You made my you made my year, man. You made my life. Because <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm a master trainer now in this, in this, I don't even, I don't even know if Viper's still around, but I've, I've, you just have to be a master communicator, and that's what you are. That's true. That is true. But yeah, that was the ma- yeah the master, the good old, the good old Viper. It's funny because I've uh, didn't really Viper didn't really. We're going off tangent here, but Viper never really took off, did it? I mean, I, I still I see it in gyms in the UK and here and again, but I I always see people doing bicep curls with them, and no one knows what to do with them. It, it certainly died as a modality. However, it's been reinvigorated, so they have rebranded a bit. Same name. But they've just uh, reinvigorated their their advertising and their marketing. Um, actually, in my new facility, I will have some Viper Viper logs. For anyone that doesn't know, these are weighted logs that have handles in the logs, and you swing these logs around, and they range from four kgs up to about twenty four kgs. Yeah, and so they, they can get quite heavy when you're swinging them like a cricket bat or a baseball bat or um, doing all kinds of like uh, lift and throws, caber tosses, etc. Yeah, yeah, it's it was it's a fun piece of equipment actually, I must say. But if you if you use it correctly, it definitely can it can provide a lot of fun. So yeah, there you go. That was it was Viper, but um, that's that's quite that's quite a background. It's quite a, 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 a it's kind of a very common sort of you've you've when I say common, I mean you've kept that common theme of working in this area. So clearly. This is an area or an industry that's something you're very, very passionate about. At what, at what point in your life did sort of health and well-being or fitness become important? You mentioned you've always been in sports, but do, do you recall kind of when that was? Well, yeah, like I say, because I was always involved in so many different activities and sports, you know, I just um, naturally was sort of drawn into pursuing this as a career. I wanted to be in the sports industry in some capacity. And I didn't actually know how that would look. And so I just started with the the sports science degree at university. And that was just an easy way to channel the energy at the time. Um, And then from there was able to continue, I could say socializing and also, um, also playing sports. So playing football, 
a little bit of uh, golf and tennis and other things, but it was mainly mainly football at that time. Um, but I think I've always been known as the fit guy. So even when I was younger, I used to run around like a headless chicken when I was playing football. And, and so I think, I, I guess that became a part of my identity, um, which for me was an easy transition into the health and fitness area. But I think for a lot of my clients, that isn't necessarily um, that they weren't known as the fit people. And I've had to learn a whole new way of motivating and breaking down the barriers to exercise for people um, over time. That's a really important point because it's very easy for people. And, and I and I used to get this a lot that, oh, it's okay for you. You're a personal trainer. You know, yeah, of course, it's, it's okay. It's easy for you. You're a personal trainer. And, this, and, and our two backgrounds couldn't be any different because, you know, um, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't a fit guy. I was, a, I was, a, I was, a, I was a, what they called me did begin with F, but it wasn't fit. It was fat. Um, so, yeah. So it was, you know, it was the opposite. I had, you know, an overweight childhood and I wasn't into sports and then got into it. So I know exactly what you mean. So for, so for me, one of my things was, look, I know, and I used to say this, like, hey, no, you're wrong. I have been there. I know what it's like to be overweight. I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to want to shift the weight and get fit. And I guess from your perspective, you got the typical comments. So you've actually you clearly have spent a bit of time to try and understand what a, what a client who hasn't always been this fitness person has to go through to help them you know go on this journey i think we're, we're through university um a lot of the the papers were around well, a lot of aspects were around like uh, barriers to exercise how to how to take someone through a um a journey of being healthier um you know more active and so i i think that was really helpful to open up my eyes to that um, I never really worried too much about my side, although uh, there was a period at university where I did um, I did sort of let things go a lot. I wasn't as active. I wasn't as fit. Um, my body was getting really tired. I was training too much. I was um, I was just becoming really unhealthy and demotivated to be involved in the sports that I'd always loved, and so. Um, I had to then bring in the tools that I've been learning and I had to apply them to myself. And so I, I did go through my own kind of a mini experience of being in a, a less active space and maybe a burnt, physically burnt out space and then having to look at how I could um, reestablish healthy exercise patterns and healthy food patterns and healthy recovery patterns. Um, so I feel like I didn't entirely... I, I have a bit of empathy for for those that um, don't really haven't been active before, um, but it, it certainly isn't uh, isn't to the level or the degree that some are coming from. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, you mentioned something just earlier, which I think is really important to touch on, which is identity, because yeah. you know we I do a lot of work with people on behavior change and habit change, and you know, this idea of identifying with, you know, what you are doing. So in your case, it was being the fitness world. It was sports, of course, from a very young age. You clearly grew up with this identity because that's who you identified as. I, you identified as someone who was active, who was yeah. playing sports. And, and, and I think that for me 
was was a big big barrier because I didn't identify as much as I wanted to be this person and I wanted to be I don't know what they call it nowadays when I was at school it was called you know or the, the American equivalent is, is the jock right you want to be the guy playing sports and basketball and being the sports team and the athletic team but because I, I didn't identify that because I was overweight and what people had told me I started telling myself I'm not this person I'm not this person and of course that held that held, holds a lot of people back so I think um even if you mentioned people who don't who who are not very active they want to become active i think one of the most important things that you know they can do or anyone can do for that matter is just start to identify yourself as that person um even you know from the point of view of you know you go out for one run you are a runner. It's not like, oh, I go, I, do you run? Oh, yeah, you know, I, I, now and again, I go out for a no. If you've been ever been out for a run, you are a runner. And I think when you start to tell yourself that, it makes it, it you start to change your own view of, of how you identify with yourself. Oh, it's really good. I think um, one of the, the strategies that you would employ in, in terms of that, it's not just saying you are a runner, but actually buying some running shoes, buying some running socks. So that behavior of buying those products is now telling yourself that this is what you're going to engage in. And um, it's really hard. I know it is really challenging to um, start something, you know, to, to contemplate and then put into action um, getting into activity and, you know, becoming that runner. And actually you might just start with being a walker and that's great, you know. Actually, uh, I tell my clients this all the time. I think it's important to say it right now is it's not what you do in one session, but it is what you do consistently that makes a difference. So instead of looking at it as exercise that you did in the day, look at it as the exercise you collectively did over a week or over a month. And then you just start to compare this week to that week to that week. And when you put it into those, uh, you'd call it like a macro block, it starts to make a bit more sense, like what what the bigger picture is really like for you, and um, and then you can look at coming back the other way and saying, okay, today I was able to do fifteen minutes of activity, um, and those fifteen minutes every day adds up to you know two hours a week, almost. Yeah. Uh, it's so important but um you know an hour 45 a week um which might have been an hour 45 more than before you decided that you were going to start walking it's so powerful because again i love that love the way that you describe it about you know it's what you do consistently over time and you know i similar saying i've said it on this podcast many a time you know you are what you do most of the time not what you do some of the time so you know and you've probably had clients like this i know i have had client i've had clients like this who you know they come they'll you know wealthy enough to to be able to hire a personal trainer and have that trainer three or four times a week right so i'd have clients that would train i'm sure you have you know four four times a week so let's say someone's training four hours a week with a personal trainer but the rest of their week they're sedentary so they've got a desk job or you know they're pilots i mean you've probably worked with pilots i've worked with pilots you know <laughs> living in dubai uh they're pilots so they're extremely sedentary jobs um uh, so, you know, and you, if we look at the number of hours, we take, I think it's 168 hours in a week. Well, if someone's going to the gym three times a week, there's still 165 hours. What are you doing with those 165 hours? If those 165 hours are spent sleeping and sitting, 
then you know you are going to be the result of what sleeping and sitting you know dusty health as opposed yeah, to being active now become your your real state yeah they become your your now state so um just even if you were at work instead of sitting you were standing or you know sounds crazy but eat your breakfast standing up you know start the morning by not getting out of bed lying and then sitting at the table to eat <laughs> you know start with standing because then you need to get in the car or get on the tube or get in the bus and so you just back down to sitting or choose to stand when you can yeah this is this is let's touch on this i know this is kind of going a little bit off topic but this this idea of sitting and sedentary behaviors and you i think are probably as a as a, any many of the trainers i've met i think one of the things i've always admired about you is that you've always really taken technique form you know corrective exercise really really seriously and you really understand it really well and you've always applied that principle of do things correctly, almost, you know, walk before you can run type analogies, you know, whereas a lot of people want to get into the gym and just start lifting the heaviest weights or running the fastest 5Ks and all of these things. So let's talk about this idea of sitting. Why why is sitting so bad in terms of, you know, for, for, for us and, and our body? You mentioned posture. What, what else is, is happening here when we're sitting? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, sitting is just really uh, switching off a lot of the muscles that uh, that keep our posture um, tall and strong and open. So we, we become, we get into the slouch position. Our, um, our legs, the muscles in our legs are, are no longer needing to support our frame. Um, and the, the hinge goes to the lower back and it goes to the middle of the back and it goes to the the front of the neck and um and it goes to the um abdominal area everything is just in a very uh, very average position and um there is no stress on the muscle there's no stress on the body all the stress is on your on your joints and on your bones and when you do that over a long period of time you get something called tissue creep and so the tissue creep is where your, your muscles start to change their shape and they change their form. You get long and weak muscles in certain areas and you get short and strong muscles in other areas, which resist, which give you a bit of resistance when you do try to be active, when you do try to get out and go for a walk. And if, if you're not careful, like you said, just trying to lift something too heavy too quick, well, if we're using the analogy of going out for a run, but you, you're mainly in a sedentary job, sitting a lot, driving in your car a lot, sitting in the tram a lot, sitting at work, and then you decide you're going to start running, but then you try to run like you did a few years ago. Well, now you've got all these uh, short and strong muscles and these long and weak muscles, and uh, something's going something's gonna to give. Your body's not used to that um, that new load and that new demand that's being put onto it. And so um, I think quite often I'm the careful trainer. I'm someone who takes a long time to to build someone up to their to the level where I can sort of release them to do whatever they want. It, it's a slow process of building, but I think it's really important to engage in the journey slowly. Not not like, okay, I'm going to be fit in like four to six weeks. But actually, I'm going to be fit in four to six months. 
or or over looking at even a, a macro term, I'm going to be I'm going to build up for the next couple of years to the point where you can engage in whatever activity you want to. Yeah, I guess saying I want to be fit. I guess it depends what you're the person's trying to be fit for. Cause in, in my eyes now, you know, having someone who's got this posture that you just described where you've been sitting a lot, working with that person to get that posture corrected and to get them, for example, you know, as you mentioned, running might be a step too far. Can we get them standing? As you mentioned, I love that. I just, you know, stand for a few minutes in your day. Can you walk a few extra steps? Can you take the stairs now? And again, these are sorts of things to me that, compared to their previous life means that they're, they're fitter, they're, they're getting fit, you know? So, so that the fact that you can change someone's posture, you can sort of start changing some of the dynamics of these muscles. You know, you mentioned long and, uh, you know, long and weak and short and strong. Well, we want to try and we want to get long and strong, right? And, 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 and it's going to be strong, yes. long and strong. Yeah. So across every joint and every excess of muscle, uh, tension ability. Yeah. And I think this, that, that for someone like that is so important, which I just think a lot of trainers miss out. I think a lot of trainers say, oh yeah, somebody, this is, here, here's somebody who wants to get fit. They want to lose a bit of weight. They want to, they want to run, they want to lift some heavy weights. And then the training will get them doing those things straight away. Whereas their, their, their frame, their structure, their bones, their joints, they're just not ready. They're not, it's not ready it's not, for it. they're not ready for it. And then of course, inevitably what happens is that person's going to have an injury, something's going to give, as you said, and it's going to set them back. Sort of niggle, which is going to inhibit their ability to, to move forward. So what was supposed to be something to help them engage in activity has now become a, a barrier to, to achieving the goal. And actually, I wanted to come back to the goal because you, you talked about like the goal. And um, I think it's important to, to yeah, it's not we, we as uh, trainers and health professionals it's not for us to tell you what the goal is, but for you to come to us, what what is it that you're wanting to achieve? And often when we talk about goals, and I ask my clients this, I'll get goals like I want to lose this much weight, um, I want to lift this much, or I want to run this far. So these are all outcome goals. But I, I find that it's so important to address the process goals. And the process goals, are, to me, that is like that is when I've like really layered some good knowledge into my client when they start talking about you know less about the outcome and more about you know what I, I engaged in activity four times this week um, you know and the process goal would be I'm going to do three walks this week doesn't matter how far or how long it's just you you acted on it three times this week, which is three times more than last week. I mean, to me, that's found fantastic. So trying to put your goals into outcome, not, uh, sorry, into <laughs> process goals, not the outcome goals. Yes. You've got to enjoy the process, right? If you're not enjoying the process, then, you know, the, it's not, sorry. Sometimes people don't enjoy that process. So that process, like for someone starting out, the process means, it means replacing something else in their life. Another thing is people think, I'm just going to add activity to my life. It's not really adding to your life. It's replacing something else out of your life. Yeah. So what, what, would you have done, what, what would you have done with that time if you weren't 
going for a walk or you weren't people at the gym. Video or- gaming. And some people love, you know, video gaming is their like de-stress or they, they believe it's their de-stress or watching uh, Netflix or Prime or, you know, watching movies and TV series. That's their, their de-stress. Unfortunately, yes, they de-stress you mentally, but physically your body is just going into an even worse state. Um, so the process initially might not be enjoyable, but if you if you say to yourself and agree to these process goals and you stick to the process, it will become a bit easier each week and maybe you might even see it become a bit enjoyable. Yeah, but you're right. It, it may not seem enjoyable, but let's let's use the example of running, right? So someone thinks, oh, you know what, I, you know, I should I should run because I th- I know it's good for me. I've heard you know I've heard this running thing it works, <laughs> you know, I, you know, and and you you say, do you actually like running? Oh, no, not really. Well, you know, how long are you going to last going out for a run? You know, how are you doing? Can we? And you mentioned just now, can you go for a walk? You know, oh, yeah, you know what? I can walk. I love walking. Oh, you enjoy walking. Okay, great. Well, can you put your headphones on, put a podcast on? This this podcast is quite good. Um, and, uh, and and you can and you can listen to a podcast and go for a walk and you've been active and you would have enjoyed it and you would have got some endorphins and some dopamine. You would have, you feel good at the end of it. Whereas if you were stuck in the gym and you had a trainer screaming at you, telling you you got to run, you know, and, and putting the speed up on your on, on the on the on the treadmill, you're gonna you're gonna hate that person. You're gonna probably never come back. So true. And like I know for a lot of people, the challenge is um, they have other things in their life. It's not just about them. It's also about the family that they have around them, about the movements of uh, the children or it's the movements of uh, the newborn or it's the movements of, um, you know, your spouse or your parents, um, your cousins, uh, your friends, school. All of these things also impact it, but then it's making uh, different decisions about that. It's saying, okay, my process goal is I'm going to walk my children to school this week or park the car a bit further away and walk them a bit longer when I have the opportunity to. Um, And it's not only good for you, but it's also good for the people that you're doing that with. It might be like... um, you know, quite often you can come home and your your spouse is there, you know, your husband or your wife, um, they're at home and you guys choose to watch a program together. It's not really engaging with each other. Whereas, you know, your process goal might actually be of double benefit. Why don't we go for a walk together and then we can chat and catch up while we're also doing something that's um, a little bit healthier for us. And you may even find that you stop opening bottles of wine and uh, cracking beers as much as you used to. Yeah, I, I think this idea of process and outcome is so important. Uh, it's, I think it needs to be spoken about a lot more. And I think the other the other reason to think about it, and I this is something I do with 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 clients and patients here, in that you know your outcome goal, weight loss is the typical one. Yeah, you know, there's there's many others, but if we think about weight loss. The way I try to explain it to people is that, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you have in your, you have a piece of paper that's written down, you need to lose weight today, right? Because that's what a weight loss, that's what an outcome goal says, right? You do not have a single bit of influence on how much weight you are going to lose in that day. So if you wrote down, I'm going to lose two pounds today, a kilo, whatever it is, you step on the scale at the end of the day, you know what? You might have lost two pounds. You might have lost three pounds. You might gain two pounds. You don't have control over that. 
But what you can control are these are these process goals. You can wake up in the morning, just as you said, I'm going to go for a, for a walk today. I'm going to make sure that I, as you mentioned, park the car further away. I'm going to make sure I eat a portion of vegetables. I'm going to make sure I spend some time with my wife and my partner. And, and yes, it's brilliant, actionable steps that are part of the process of engaging in a healthier lifestyle. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks for getting into that. I know it was a little bit off, off, off track, but uh, it's, I think it's important. To- it's important because uh, I don't hear it enough. Yeah. Same, same. And I think it's important to get that message out there. And I think it's particularly because now, you know, it's, it's interesting since I've come back from Dubai and working in a diff- completely different environment, working in public health, as opposed to private health, where people pay to, to come and see you and now it's, it's completely different and you know those those people are just not they're not motivated in the same way they don't have this aspiration to want to be in gyms or want to be you know for us me and you and people like you know we like being in gyms we we love that environment because it's something that we've we've, we've grown up and we work in we enjoy it we thrive in it but not everyone's like that so i think it's important to get those people active get them moving get them in enjoying their activity because we can all benefit from physical activity. We don't all need to be members of the latest and greatest gyms or be doing the latest and greatest movements or exercises. I think what's encouraging is, and uh, well, what I find probably isn't um, a lot of people think that it's just them that doesn't like the gym environment or the training room or the the fact that there's other people around and they need to wear a certain type of clothing and look a certain way and act a certain way and lift a certain amount of weight or run a certain speed. I think that the majority of people that I've come across, the people that I tend to train a lot are people that are a little bit more anxious in those environments. Yet, engaging in you know a service like mine having someone um, to kind of guide them through it helps them to ease that anxiety which is a good thing but I also look for ways that they aren't just accountable to me but they can actually do these things on their own at home in their own home they can do it um, as a walk in the countryside they can do it as like um, a bike ride, you know, trying to find other ways that they can engage in activity that is much more comfortable for them. Yeah, because activity is activity, right? And, and, it, and it all counts. And I think just, you know, we, we this, I mean, I don't have the, the, the studies, but I've, I've read studies and, and you can see the, 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 the studies are there that it's clear that things like standing, things like walking, things like, you know, um, just just re- reversing some of these sedentary behaviors, even when someone is not, yeah, we can we're not we can talk about intensity, but even if someone's not engaging in super intense exercise, they can still benefit from a lot of these benefits. You know, lowering your blood pressure, feeling better, you know, lowering stress hormones, losing burning fat, all these things. They can still benefit from these things just by applying some of these other, you know, what people may not see as these sort of high intensity or, or typical workouts you know i think that's important i think based workouts because actually it's a very small percentage of the population that actually engages in that type of activity um but it seems to be the it seems to be where the bar is whenever you search it online or you see it in a magazine you think that that's the place that you need to get fitter and healthier it's because it's sexy isn't it it's it's sexy It's, it's what sells yeah it's what sells, you know, it's sexy sells and six packs sell and, you know, 
um, these, this is what sells. So I think unfortunately the media and, and the media has, and, and I, I guess us as trainers are part of this social media as well. It's what we, what we put out in the world. And, and that is, is what we have to be as I'm always very careful as to what I put out because I don't want people to think that it has to be, you know, this, this, what you, what all the other magazines are telling you. I think it's important to know that there are other things that you can do. Uh, and as you quite rightly said, there's sm- such a small percentage of the population that are engaging in, in that type of activity. True. Yeah, so I think that's uh, that's this this idea of just you know identity, um, idea of um, outcome goals are important. I think the, the go just touching back onto the identity thing. I think this is you know for someone you mentioned just now who is you know not used to being in the gym. Perhaps they want to right. Perhaps and, and again you've probably come across people like this. They 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 want they really want to get in, into this gym culture. They really want to start working out and going to the gym and doing all these things. But they're just completely you know nervous and have never been in that environment before. And they don't identify. And as you and I quite like what you said earlier about go and buy yourself a pair of running shoes. You know go and buy yourself you know treat yourself to a nice pair of workout shorts or a, you know workout leggings or whatever it might be because that's just only going to make you help you identify a little bit more with what you are trying to do. So you're trying to be the kind of person that regularly works out. Well, dress like a person that regularly works out act, you know, <laughs> acts like the person. Now, and we're laughing, but I, I know I've been guilty of this in the past um, of saying this in the past. And I, you know, you've, you've heard the saying before is like all the gear, no idea. Right. So there's, you've seen these people. However, I've been thinking about that a lot recently. I think that's wrong. I I shouldn't, I wish I hadn't said that. I've never said it to anyone's face, but I shouldn't be thinking it because if somebody has gone to the effort of going out and buying all this stuff, look, it's different in Dubai because there's a, there's a different, there's a difference in wealth. So someone can just afford to do those things and it doesn't really matter. Whereas, you know, it's a bit different in, like I say, the real world, but in other, other countries. However, if someone's gone out to the effort and they're, they're, they're quite new to the gym and it makes them feel good, right? It makes them feel good that, you know what? Hey, I get to wear my new, my new Nikes today or my new, my, my new Adidas, or I get to wear my Apple watch and, you know, going to, going to the gym, or I get to, you know, try out this new head, set of headphones that I bought just for the gym. If that, if that's what motivates them to get there and it's going to make them make it more fun for them, who are we to tell them not to do that, right? And and look, I I've done this and I've gone into sports and events and gone, oh, yeah, okay, right now I need to get a Garmin because I've started doing serious running. I'm running, I'm running more than five k now. I need a Garmin, right? And I don't need a Garmin. I don't need anything. But you know what? I went and got one. Do you know why? Because it made me want to run more, right? It uh, it made me want to get out of there, and it made me every time oh, I get to use it again, you know. And then I got a heart heart strap for it. And then I got this for it, and I got the foot thing for it, and you know, it's just gross, but it makes it, it makes me feel good. So anybody else out there, if you have the means to do that, then that's a great way of creating the identity that you want. Yeah. Yeah, Don't hold back. If you can do it, if you can grab something that's going to motivate you in a a way, then um, I think it's it's well worth the investment, especially if you're talking about your health and your well-being. So whether it's buying a bike, whether it's um, getting a power meter for your bike, whether it's um, getting a tracker a watch tracker or it's getting um sleep device or a sleep tracker um you know these are all just really good things that yeah i'd encourage you to to do that and um start monitoring like uh monitoring the process yeah 
And look, I want to say again, it's not mandatory, but if you are the kind of person that you know that will help you, then I think there's nothing wrong with that. And of course, you're not going to go beyond your means to, to try and to, to, to procure whatever you're trying to get. So I think that's important. Um, talking about, let's, we're, as we're talking about this, w- what do you do to track your health? Are you, are you, how, how do you do that? Um, I, so I'm not a massive technology guy, but I've just got a bit more into it lately. So I have something called the Aura Ring, and um, this is something I've been using for for quite a while lately. Um, and I wear it as my wedding band, but it so it looks pretty cool. It's uh, and it's also got little sensors inside it, and that can measure my heart rate variability. So heart rate variability is a measure of how recovered you are. Um, it can measure my core body temperature. It can measure my breathing rate, so how many breaths I take per minute. Um, it does all of this during the day, but also while I'm sleeping. Um, it also tracks my sleep, so it, it tells me how long I was in a deep sleep state, how long I was in the REM state, um, and then it, to- it tells me how many times I woke up during the night, how long were those, um, the sleep latency, so how how long did it take before I went to sleep. Um, and then it gives me a sleep score, tells me this was your sleep score for last night. And then it'll give me a recommendation as well. So it gives you a recommendation on um, what you should aim to do the next day or or it'll give you some encouragement if you did um, hit it well. Um, it measures the activity that I do, the steps that I do. So give me, if I did like, for me, I do a lot of steps. So I tend to do about 10,000 steps at least a day. Um, so it'll give me how many steps I did and what the walking equivalent is distance-wise. So I might say that's a walking equivalent of eight kilometers. Um, it measures my calories, calorie output. So there's um, there's just so many things that I get out of this ring that I wear on my finger. Once you have that data, what do you do with it? How do you how do you use whether you use all of it or not or some of it? What do you do with it? How do you use that information to help you? Oh, and it's really easy as well because it's an app on my phone and all I need to do is just um, turn the app on and then it automatically syncs all the data off my ring and then presents it to me in in the app. And um, the way that I use it is really, I think initially I used it a bit more because it was a way of learning about my, my body and how I felt compared to how the watch was suggesting um, that I might feel. And so, um, yeah, like I say, early on, it was a very good way of just tracking um, from a different standpoint what my body was doing and then listening to my body for myself as well and seeing if it matched what I was getting here. But it also gives you a little bit of excitement. So some people just love seeing, um, you know, this thing shows you if you have done it really well, it gives you a certain color. It gives you a bar and then it gives you a percentage and a color. And like green and blue are really good. And then red and red and uh, like lack of a bar are really bad. And so then you start going, oh, wow, yeah, I do need to pay a bit of attention in that area. Um, yeah, that, that's right. I had a couple of beers last night. And so now my, um, my average heart rate over during my sleep was like six beats higher. 
my core body temperature rose by 0.3 degrees um, because of the alcohol, you know, <laughs> and um, or a late night. And then it's like, well, your sleep is really off, you know, maybe that, that then starts to let you realize that oh, the fact that I'm tired while driving today or picking up my kids in the afternoon is because actually um, I didn't get adequate sleep last night. And that was my fault because I chose to stay up and watch the football or I chose to see in Dubai when we watch the English Premier League, it starts at 11 p.m. and then finishes at 1 a.m. For you guys, it's 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. You know, that's fine. Um, well, it's played over here, mate. I mean, that's yeah. that's only fair. <laughs> or someone stayed up, you know, gaming um, late into the night or or they went out to work drinks and then, you know, you just – it's just a really good way to sort of um, see the data and compare it to how you actually feel. It shows you, it shows you this, what happens. You mentioned if you're drinking alcohol, have a late night, these things that we would normally do without thinking. And maybe, yeah, we all know if you have too many drinks, you're going to wake up the next morning, not feeling great, but maybe you think I had one and a bit of a late night. That's not going to harm me, but you, this can, even that one little drink that you have, this will skew, it will show up on your results or the, your, what, your data the next day and you can go, oh, wow, why did that happen? Oh, maybe it's because I had a drink. And you can't start to see the impact. And, you know, something you alluded to earlier is these small little things that you're doing all the time that are going to add up. So if it's one beer every night and, you, you know, you, you start to see what that's doing to your health and you think, well, that's one beer every night, that's 365 beers in a year. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. about <laughs> <Some> beers. <laughs> so that's going to have some kind of detrimental effect and you can start to see it. I mean, you can see just, a, just one alcoholic drink, one standard drink changes um, the, the data. It changes it from an average day and it's, it makes you realize – it, it does encourage your behavior positively um, when when you choose to to use it. So it can absolutely act as a prompt to say, "I've got to change something." I like the ideas of this 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 kind of reward system where you see these colors and you think, "Oh, I've done really well." And I think that's just really good from a motivational perspective. I think you know, um, I this is where I'm. But, but probably the opposite to you in terms of I love technology, especially when it comes to, um, especially when it comes to fitness technology, it's something I've really, really been into for a long time. And for me again, and I know other people that use this, it's motivating, right? It's motivating to see that, Hey, yeah, I've got, I've got a notification or a buzz or tick or whatever it is to say, I've, I've completed my steps for the day or, you know, I've, um, you know, got enough good sleep. And then, and when you start to see this and, and it plots all these graphs and you start to see all that you've done, it provides you with the motivation. So for example, the step data, how I, how I look at that, I'll look at it, you know, I'll probably look at it on a monthly basis. I won't, I won't analyze it every day. I look on a monthly basis and I'll say, Oh, how well have I done? And I'll see, you know, you'll see the days where you haven't, I'm like, Oh, what happened on that day? And then I'll yeah. actually go back in my diary and I think, what happened on that? What was I doing on that day? And I go, Oh, that was the day where I, you know, was this happened. I was sitting down. So it, it, it but it also helps to me to say, wow, I've done so much. Right. And, and I think that for, for me, not only for me, but I know for a lot of people can be very motivating because there can be periods where you're in your training or you're trying to, you're in this physical activity routine and you just start to lose motivation. Think, oh, you know what? Well, it's not working. I'm not losing any weight. I'm not getting any faster. I'm not lifting heavier weights anymore. You hit this plateau, right? It's normal. It's supposed to happen. However, when you hit that plateau, it's very demotivating because you think, what's the point? 
Whereas if you look back and say, hold on a minute, the point is I've accumulated thousands and thousands and thousands of steps or hours or minutes or whatever it is of doing this thing and you can see it. Oh, actually, that's, there's the point. That's that's what the point is. I actually am doing the thing. I'm enjoying the process. So uh, I think tracking for me is 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 important and it helps to motivate people. Aura ring. Um, before the aura ring, I tried the whoop. So whoop I used for nine months. Have you heard of whoop? So it's funny you just mentioned the two products that I'm currently evaluating and making a choice. Which one do I get? So maybe we need to have a conversation outside this <laughs> outside this podcast, <laughs> and I need to pick your brain because um, this is exactly yeah. I was just looking at Whoop. Whoop was the first one I came across, and then I discovered the Aura Ring, and I was like, and, and I heard of these products, but I never really looked into them in in that much detail. So the Whoop uh, is an ongoing subscription model. So yeah, yeah, you can crack out the wallet for that one. Yeah, that's that's what was put me off that one. Aura is like a one-off payment, and um, and for me it doubles up as my wedding band. So <laughs> that's a good point because I don't wear one, so now I can I can I can have a wedding band at, at the same time. Awesome. Um, <laughs> and then um, I also have a polar watch, and so the polar watch is like my GPS tracker, and that that gives me um, stuff that I transfer over to a, a, an app called Strava. And Strava is like a fitness site that shows everyone what you've been doing it's kind of like facebook for fitness people um and so people give you kudos which is like thumbs up for doing workouts um so guy i I did want to say this earlier actually like um for anyone that might be struggling to engage in that physical activity not just like going out and buying the clothes but also um getting a friend or a relative to join you in the journey to join you in the process because often when you're booking a, a session, it can be um, you can wake up and think, you know what, I'm not going to do it today. I'm just not feeling it. Oh, it's raining outside or, oh, this. Oh, I'm just going to sleep in. Um, but when you know that someone's waiting for you, it changes everything. You, you will make the extra effort. And so I would always say whether it's you're hiring someone to help you or you're engaging someone else who needs to get on this journey as well. And then it, it just becomes so much more motivating and rewarding doing it with someone. Um, if you can do it on your own, that is the most beneficial because then it's saying that you're not, there's no external influence that is uh, getting you to exercise, it's your own internal like uh, motivation. And that, that's probably the best place to come from. But if you are someone that might struggle a bit more, then by having a, a partner do it with you is going to, on those days where you're just questioning it, you're going to be more likely to engage in it because you know someone's waiting for you. You're accountable to them. Yeah, I think that's a definite benefit of having other people to do your physical activity, you know, whatever you choose to do, just having that, that accountability, isn't it? It's just someone else's. Accountability doesn't just come in the form of um, paying money because, you know, most, mostly that's what we are. We're, we're personal trainers and fitness coaches, uh, health and lifestyle coaches, and, um, you know, we're paid accountability. But getting a friend is like uh, you don't have to pay them. You just have to motivate them. And so two of you benefit. Yeah, but I mean, I, I remember I used to get clients even used to say to me that because I know you're waiting for me here at the gym, 
Yeah, that's what so they said. Oh, yeah, how are you? Oh, yeah, not not a great day because I knew you were waiting. I, 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 it got me out, and I was like, great, good. That if that if that's what got you here today, then then that works. And um, you know, another thing I used to do is um, and like you, you know, or like you're about to do. I obviously was living in Abu Dhabi and commuting to Dubai, but I would still book in six a.m. clients. Yeah, <laughs> right. so as you know, that's a that means you're leaving to, you're leaving Abu Dhabi at four a.m. I'd wake up at four a.m. and I would make sure my clients knew that. I'd be like, "Yeah, I'll do six a.m., but I means I'm getting up at four to be to get here for six. And it was almost just to say, "Make sure you turn up, right? <laughs> I'll be here. I'll be here. I don't have another client after you." <laughs> and it was, and you know, just it just that little bit more accountability. And I'm not trying to obviously make someone feel bad if something does happen. Some life happens, life gets in the way. I get it. But I think it just that it's just that net that another level of accountability that people it is. will it's a strategy of um, encouragement in the process of becoming more generally active. Yeah. I mean this goes to anything in life, right? If I inconveniencing myself, I don't I don't care. I'll I'll inconvenience convenience myself. But if I have if I'm inconveniencing someone else then I'm going to think twice. Yeah. And that's just, again, not everyone's not like that. I just, I'm wired that way, but, and, and, and I'm sure many people are, but that, that for me is, is a big factor. Yeah. So I think that's, yeah, no, it's definitely accountability to help people and to, to help you motivate, to give you that motivation to, to want to engage in your physical activity, especially, yeah, when um, things are against us, obstacles are there, weather, you mentioned um, lots of different things. I guess this last 12 months with COVID has been a big, a big obstacle for people. I'm interested to find out how, what have you, what's, what did you do during that time to, to remain? Um, I think that because, because I think about these things often, I, I think about, you know, how, how can I work out at home? How can I do, you know, how can I make sure that I have um, options, whether I'm at home, whether I'm able to go to, you know, the building gym, whether I'm able to go to the gym that I work in, whether I'm able to access um, the outdoors, whether, you know, sometimes it's too hot in Dubai, it gets very hot, 50 degrees Celsius. Um, and so going outside is not always an option. So I think in that way, but I guess in the UK as well, you know, you have winter and in winter it's too cold to go and train outside. So there's times where you need to think about what can you do with the space you've got that will keep you a little bit more active and so for me I've created so many avenues of um, places to work out within my home we live in a two-bedroom apartment um, and we have quite a big living area but in that space I've managed to to put a lot of a lot of tools that I can pick up and engage in if I have to and quite often I, I know that I don't even need the tools. I can just move my body um, because, because I know how to move. But, um, you know, for anyone, it's just finding some simple things, you, some simple at-home exercises you can do and, uh, and just doing those. These tools that you're talking about, are these things that you will just leave lying around so that, they're, that you, always, so you always see them? Number one example, um, I had a mini trampoline in our home but one of my clients told me that she got a mini trampoline which was even better and so I didn't believe her anyway she gifted me a, a mini trampoline which um, has these beautiful bungee cords it makes no noise it is a silent trampoline to jump on 
it is a favorite of my kids and myself. So we, you know, I'd just be watching football game and then I think, you know what, because I probably ate a bit more than I should have there, let me just jump on the trampoline a bit while I watch the game or I'm watching a TV series and instead of lying on the couch the whole time, I just get up and bounce a bit. And that bouncing is just so good for the body, you know. You're burning so many calories and you're, you're getting the heart rate just a little bit up. And it's also soft on the joints. So it's very non-stressful for the body, but it, it works you out brilliantly. So they say 20 minutes of like light bouncing on trampoline is the equivalent of an hour of like fast walking. And so, you know, just, just a 20 minute, but you know, even if you did five minutes, that would be a massive benefit to your body. Um, also have skipping ropes at home. I've got normal skipping ropes and weighted skipping ropes. So skipping ropes that are heavy, and so it works a bit more on the, the shoulders and the arms and the wrists and the forearms. Um, and then I have a cross trainer. It's not really a cross trainer. It's called an arc trainer. So it's a, an even nicer movement, nicer on the joints. Um, it's kind of like running but on a machine, and it's silent again. So I've got that in front of the TV. Um, it's hidden in a way. Most people don't even realize it's in my living room. Um, until I tend to point it out, and they're like, "What? There's a you've got an exercise <laughs> machine here." I'm like, "Yeah." Um, I also have something called a walking pad. Have you heard of walking pad? No. It's a it's a treadmill. It's a treadmill, but it it's just on the ground. So it's literally just the pad on the ground. So it's just the, it's just it's just it's like a treadmill on the ground. Okay. It's a treadmill base. Without right. the ah the, okay right right, and so you you unfold it so you literally you flip it out so it becomes it goes it do goes you self, do you self power it so you could easily just push it under the couch or you know hide it in a corner in a closet and then you just bring it out open it out and then um, you control it from an app right so I literally just plug into my app and I go and I just like swipe the speed up and I swipe the speed down depending on what I want. And the kids love that piece of equipment too. So it uh, not only works when I'm on a call, like I could be talking to you and just walking softly on this, or I could be, um, you know, doing some work at my uh, raised desk. So I have a, a desk that I can take it up and I can take it down. Height adjustable desk. Um, and at that workstation, I can put the walking pad underneath that and then just walk gently while I'm standing doing my work, preparing a document, um, you know, reading, going through things. So instead of just sitting to do all these things, now I can do, do it actively. I don't, don't, don't know how much a walking pad costs, but my bank balance has just gone down by that amount because I think that's my next purchase because <laughs> I've got the uh, – I got the desk, but I have yeah. That sounds like quite cool. probably about two hundred and fifty pounds, but um, depends on the model you get. So you've got cheap ones, and then you have got more expensive ones. So um, I would say that any model is good, and you can also get secondhand ones. A lot of people will be selling these um, secondhand because they just realised they didn't engage with it. You with any tool doesn't matter how many tools you have, you still have to engage with it. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is it, I isn't mean, it? How many people could open their cupboards and look at all the different cans of food they have and say, oh, my gosh, I've had these for years. You know, 
you bought it thinking you're going to use it, but then unless you actually use it, you you have to engage with the products that you get. So I like I like I like what you're saying in terms of just this idea of, you know, around your house, around your flat, your apartment, you've got these things that, you know, again, and this is this is kind of alluding to what another another thing that helps people to create or start habits is 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 the environment design, right? You we are a product of our environment. In fact, something I wanted to mention earlier, I completely forgot, but um when you talked about you know, your, your upbringing and you're always into sports and it was just always something that you did. I, I would like to ask you, because again, without stereotyping, but a lot of people I've met from your part of the world are very, very active people. So I wonder if there's something in the environment that you grew up in, in terms of the country, the culture that is conducive to physical activity and being active. Mm, okay. Um, so my parents aren't highly active. Um, it was just I had a lot of energy. I think my mother said she enrolled me into gymnastics when I was four years old because I just had a lot of energy. And she said that was great. That actually helped me sleep at night. But um, my parents aren't, aren't very active people, so I, I um, wasn't given any sort of tools or strategies or know-how growing up. In fact, when I went and played when I was playing football and I was going to training camps, um, the footwear that I get sometimes, you know, they, they didn't have any knowledge of how to size and fit my shoes. And when I needed new shoes, you know, I get holes in my football boots. I get holes in my running shoes. I get flanned out soles in my, in my uh, volleyball shoes. Or, you know, um, I would have blisters on my feet and no one gave me knowledge of why that was happening why my like legs felt stiff and tight and sore and why I was getting these blisters and there's just no strategies to, to prevent it or to treat it or to, to guide me. So these are all things that I've had to learn myself. Um, but I think that for anyone that is struggling with some of the, some of those things that happen to them, whether it's blisters or it's like getting really stiff in the, in the feet or the ankles or the Achilles or the hamstrings or the lower back, you're getting pain. Um, it really is worth like seeking some help from someone, whether it's like looking online and just do some good due diligence or it's um, going and seeing someone, use the NHS, go and, uh, go and see a physiotherapist or someone that can help you with managing managing those, like not just putting up with it, like the old school mentality, you know, no pain, no gain, but actually going, hey, you know, this isn't right. There shouldn't be pain. There shouldn't be this discomfort. I'm doing something wrong. Let me go and um, get some advice on it. And um, I think that is extremely helpful because I've had to learn a long, long hard way. Yeah. I think going back to the idea of, the idea of environment design, I think, you know, it's having your like your your immediate environment in your apartment you can go around and there'll be something there that will kind of trigger your remind you i mean you've already motivated individual but seeing it there it's it's an it's it just makes that it's a this is one less obstacle right oh i have to get out my i have to get out this complicated piece of equipment that i bought and i've got to put it together whereas if it's already there it's ready you know it could be something as simple as 
somebody you mentioned people wanting to go out for a run or a walk keep your running shoes by the door or keep your running gear you know ready the night before i mean i used to and i still do this i say why i'm saying i used to i if i'm going out for an early morning run i will sleep in my running gear <laughs> I, I will sleep in my run because why not who cares you know uh, so when i wake up in the morning it's one less thing i have to do and this is from me as a trainer who's someone who's motivated but it just makes my life easier in the morning and i wake up in the morning and if i'm feeling like oh do you know what i can't i can't be bothered today i'll look at I'll, I've, I've already got the gear on I, I have to and i have to go out now so the idea of environment design is just to make it easy within your environment because look i mean i can yeah, this is this is another this is a comment I heard on another podcast. But if if you if you you live in an apartment block, right? If you walked into every single apartment in your apartment block, where would the sofa sofa be facing? At the TV. At the TV. So every single apartment in your building, and probably not just in your building, I mean in the world, <laughs> have made is the, the environment has been created to make it easy to watch TV, right? Because you sit on the sofa, oh the TV's right there. It makes it easy, right? So if you can think of the think of that analogy and think, well, okay, well, how can I make it easy to do these other things? So maybe you can have your TV there, but like you've got, you've got this this arc machine that's right in front of your TV, or you got you put your trampoline in front of your TV. So when you watch TV, you're doing something active. So this is what this is what I'm talking about with environment design. And going back to your upbringing, I do think you're going into gymnastics at the age of four. And you know, then so that may may have triggered something, but it's your environment. Whereas there are a lot of people who grew up in, you know, in, who maybe don't have the money financially. They grew up in poorer communities and they don't have access to these these outdoorsy, these, these physical activity, they might go to the park, but maybe not, you know, depending on parents are working and busy. So they just haven't had that environment around them of physical activity. And for them, it's been, you know, you come home from school, it's TV, it's, it's iPad, it's, you know, computer, it's phone. And then you just start to grow up in this environment where technology and, and sedentary behaviors are the thing. Whereas when you and I grow up, grew up, you know, not, not giving away our ages, but we were, we didn't have these things, right? We, we, we ran around and jumped around and kicked footballs. And I spent most of my time climbing fences, trying to pick, get my football from the neighbor's neighbor's garden, things like that. Um, <laughs> so I think this idea of environment design and you've, you've kind of alluded to it nicely is, is, is important in your own life yeah, as well as. Yeah, else. So we were, we were active when we were young um, and I am at an advantage because I always had coordination and skill. And so I was always, decent at sports and so that made it much easier for me to engage in that behavior i guess um for everyone it's finding out what you enjoy what you can engage with and then and then get into that so for example i, I saw a client uh, a couple of days ago it was the first session i've had with this client and i asked about the goals and the goals were to get back to running because this client liked running and the other thing was to do Zumba um, because they love Zumba. And so I was like, all right, that's that's fantastic. You know, like um, we can get into Zumba like um, straight away. If that's something you enjoy, great. And then with the running side was literally what we've been talking about, you know, start with walking and every five minutes do a little jog and then just slowly build it over time. But, yeah, for her, that client, it was like um, – you know, just seeing what she was interested in and then just encouraging that type of movement in her life. I mean, at home. So I get my kids to dance. So we will put on like uh, music videos and then 
I'll, I'll get them to dance one at a time. So I get little James and he's like doing his dance and I get little Renee and then she, she goes down and does her dance and then daddy, daddy, your turn. And then I'm like, oh, dad can't dance, but dad will try. Um, so then I will, I'll do a dance and then we all dance together and then, um, you know, mum dances too. And, and so it's, for me, I hate dancing, but I do it because I see how much my kids love it. I, I bet, I bet, Phil, before, sorry to interrupt, I bet you when you are dancing, you've got a smile on your face. I have a smile on my face. Yeah, I've never seen anyone dance who's not smiling, right? So it can only be good for you. I feel ridiculous, but I'm smiling. Um, and then the other thing, I'll put on breakdancing videos and then I get them doing breakdancing. So I'm trying to engage them really early on on different strategies of movement. Um, you know, the trampoline, the dancing, the breakdancing. Uh, we have a like a, we have a policy around the house. Most people say no balls around the house. My policy is the opposite. I have balls everywhere and my kids are allowed to kick them and I just have to make sure I don't leave anything valuable that can be knocked over and smashed. Um, but I'm like, any time, I'm just going, let's let's kick and play football inside, play cricket inside. I mean, we go for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this this is actually one of the next questions I wanted to ask you is about about children, because I know your father, you two, two, two lovely kids, and, and I've, I've you know, got my daughter as well. So for me... Since since having it, it was always it was always on my mind that how do I how do I instill these these values that I have got in my life about around movement and around health and wellness into this child because yeah like you my parents were not active people you know it was something I had to seek out to do so you mentioned a few things there but you know, what what else have you done to your kids or, or let's go but maybe step back why is this such an important topic in trying to get our children active yeah. Um, I think in this technology era, we, you know, my, my kids already know how to use an iPad, an iPhone. They're, they're taking slow-mo videos and then replaying them. And um, it's crazy to see what they're doing with the technology, but it's very easy for them to get immersed into the technology. And, and so that just leads to more sedentary behavior and actually the research consistently shows that active parents are likely to have active, well, the, the kids of active parents are likely to be active, more active when they grow up. And it's the same. Sedentary parents are likely to have kids that are more sedentary. Um, also with food, when it comes to nutrition. So if your parents engage in certain you are a product of your environment in terms of the food that your parents are likely to give you often, you'll continue and engage in those food behaviors when you're older. So those that grow up in what you might call a, a healthy home, um, where, where be it might be a lot of vegetables, fruit, and, um, and just really good healthy sources of um, protein and fat, um, the, those children are likely to embody those values when they leave home and go on their own. And so conversely, if you're not doing that in your homes, if you're not representing good activity and good nutrition, your kids are likely to just um, carry on the behavior that you have instilled and you have taught to your children. And, um, and that's something that, I'm, that I've, luckily enough, I've been able to recognize. 
and I'm I'm hoping that I can engage my kids in a, a healthier way moving forward. It's, it's it's about leading by example, though, isn't it? I think everything you've said there is so true. In that, you know, there's a saying, isn't it? Do as I say, not as I do. Well, kids don't. Kids don't. That doesn't. That doesn't. That doesn't compute with kids. It's like they're going to do what you do, not what you exactly. say. So yeah. you can sell. You can say to them, "Oh, you know, it's great. Go and play football. Go and do some dancing. Go and jump about." And you're not doing those things. So when they say, "Daddy, it's your turn," and you don't get involved, guess what? They're not going to get involved next time. So you, I think, it's so important that as parents. You know, if you do, and I think this is important for people that, you know, who we mentioned, there are people that are not active, but they want to get active and maybe they want, they're worried about their children. And I've spoken to many parents who have asked me this and I was saying, you know, well, what, what do you do? What is it that you do? Is there anything you could, you do that you can get them involved in? Because if you're doing it, if you are doing it, they're going to do it. And I think, you know, any parent will know this, that they will tell their kids to do something. It just won't happen unless, unless they start to see other people so, yeah, or you doing so it. There's a parent to be on your own phone or, you know, iPad or laptop or watching TV and then just say, no, go and run outside. Like stop playing, like go and run outside, like leave me alone for a bit. Cause you're trying to chill out. But actually they're, they're just going to resort to that sort of sedentary um, kind of almost agitated behavior at home. Until you get off your bum and you take them and you engage them as well, because then they're just going to value that so much more. The inclusivity of the parents with the kids is just so important. Yeah, absolutely. It's like I got my daughter one of those those scooters, and and the next thing I did was get myself one because they look cool, they look fun. I mean, that I just just a big kid, and I was like, oh, I want one as well, but. She's got one and now, you know, she goes out and she's like, oh, daddy, you know, can you go on your bike? And we can, you know, she wants to do something together. So I'm like, okay, well, let's, I'll get a scooter as well. So if I'm getting a scooter, she's got a scooter. Now, she, now mommy needs to get a scooter and so we'll get, go get mommy on the scooter. But, you know, it's just, it, it, it's, it, yeah, it's fun for them. They want to engage. They want to do things that you're doing. And I think, yeah, that's so important. Also, it's not, it's not easy. So some you've had a, like a physical day at work or you've had a long day, emotionally draining day at work it can be really, really difficult to get home and then um, engage in a physical activity with, with your children. But if you're um, – if you're, my TV just turned on by itself. Magic. So we're talking about TVs. It hurt us. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, so um, if you're engaged in um, – if you're – if you make the effort, you won't regret it. You might feel like you're about a three or four out of 10 energy level wise, but once you've been for that activity with your children, I'm sure you're going to feel seven or eight out of 10 and they're going to value it so much more. They're going to sleep so much better. You're going to sleep better. Um, it's a win-win all around, but again, right at the start, it's a choice you have to make. Yeah, and that's that's exactly it. So, are there any other tips that you've got for for parents who want to engage children yeah. in more physical activity? What what sort of things that can they do? Because you've come up with some really fantastic suggestions so far. Um, so, one thing that I think is really important is upon waking, getting as much natural light as you can. So, don't keep the curtains closed, but pull all the curtains open, and just start to let the day wake the children up, or or wake you up as well, um, and. You know, use less of the, the lights around your home. 
um, try to get as much light as you can. And also another good thing is get outdoors like early on. Wake your nervous system up. Wake your body up. Get outdoors. Ten minutes outside will go a long way to um, improving your health. Um, yep, like I said, set aside some focus time each day to play with your children um, and keep them away from technology in that focus play. But also you need to keep away from the technology too because I find myself sometimes I'm with the kids but I'm still trying to text people and then, uh, you know, they're going, Dad, come on. And I'm like, no, just wait. I just need to finish this. But it's actually quite often I've got to tell myself, oh, man, you know what? Like uh, when I was their age, <laughs> um, there was none of this technology. I just got to put that down and I got to, like, focus on them for, for this period of time and then go back to, go back to what I need to do work-wise afterwards. Um, get a trampoline indoors and outdoors if you can. I think it's like it's an investment, but it's a well, it's such a worthwhile investment. Um, create obstacle courses around your home. So I create all kinds of like weird and wonderful ob- obstacle courses. I love some of the ones you put on Instagram with yeah around your sofa. <laughs> They're great. In fact, I copied. I've now copied that. Copied your idea off that. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> oh, those those were workouts. So that was when I had um, COVID. So I had uh, uh, right, okay. coronavirus and then um, we were all locked at home for 10 days, like 10 days, like fixed in at home, even though wasn't feeling that bad. I was feeling great, actually. So I did a workout every day. Um, and then I just, the way that I kept the kids going, because they couldn't leave the apartment either. They were stuck in the apartment. In fact, because of those workouts and because of the other strategies I talked about, it was only after six days of being locked down that my son finally said, he's five, he finally said, oh, Dad, can I go ride my bike today? It took six days for him to ask to leave because I was so intentional about keeping their energy going and keeping them active while they were here. Otherwise, we would have had a nightmare on our hands. We sat down, watched TV all day, and then it just, yeah. you know, yeah. Another one would be, um, so having a bath. And just or or in the shower, um, but say if you are in the bath, using magnesium oil for your kids, I think that's a fantastic way of getting their um, their muscles to sort of relax and calm down. If you want them to sleep, um, for you and uh, you know as adults, one thing we can do is like do a cold shower and then a hot shower. So go contrast therapy, they call it, and so it's like hot to cold, hot to cold. Um, maybe put the cold as much as you can bear. I know in Dubai it's nice to get a bit of cold. In the UK you probably hate the cold. <laughs> I've, I've always hated the cold, mate. Even when I was in Dubai it was still hot showers. <laughs> yeah, so just, just turn it down a bit but then crank up the heat again when you have to. But, but do that and it's actually really good for your body because it's flushing the blood around. So it's like bring the blood in, taking the blood out. Bring the blood in, taking the blood out. The blood delivers the hormones and nutrients. So the vasodilation of your, of your of your arteries as well and your veins, right? They kind of contract contract and, and, and release. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, yeah, so creating little workouts that you can do with your kids, get them involved too, get them to copy you. 
um, we play a game called Simon Says. Um, but then it could just be a, a mirror game. So whatever I do, my kids have to copy me. Um, and then change it around to get someone else to do it. And then uh, we also play ball tag at home. So we run around throwing the ball at each other. We made these little ninja stars out of like origami paper today. And we were like using those ninja stars to play ball tag or ninja star tag. Um, it's just paper, so it doesn't hurt. We just run around throwing it and uh, everyone was getting into that. Um, jumping, so my kids are allowed to jump all over our couches and we have really nice couches, but I'm like, you know what? We live in an apartment. I need their energy to, to be burnt, however, and so they're, they're allowed to jump over the furniture. So don't, don't stop them doing things that they find fun. We flip and roll and tackle and play fight. And actually the play fighting that we do is so important for kids because it, it helps them learn how to control their strength with other kids. So because I'm controlling my strength with them, they automatically control their strength when they're working with younger siblings or they're working with um, with other other kids at their school and stuff. So it's a massive like learning curve just by play fighting. I love those suggestions. Um, pillow fighting. <laughs> uh, we put the trampoline beside the bed, beside the mattress, and then we do jumping and Superman dives and flips and spins onto the bed. So it's kind of like our own little gymnastics at home. Um, the other thing would be, so on my on my uh, YouTube channel, I have a channel called Train, Perform, Recover. And there I put together about 100 exercises. So I did these videos during lockdown when uh, we couldn't go anywhere. I just went down to an apartment down the, the hall that was empty and recorded um, all these videos. And then it's just a whole bunch of movements that I use every day with my clients, things that they can do at home that I could put into their, their programs. And so that might be of benefit to those that, you know, are looking at what can I do at home. Brilliant. And where would that, um, where would people find we, that? Um, that's on YouTube, mm -hmm. Train, Perform, Recover. And you'll see there's different categories. So there's like core and abdominal exercises, there's upper body, lower body, whole body, high intensity, um, just a, a bunch of different movements that are put together, which almost anyone would be able to engage with some of the movements in there. Perfect. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll put a link to Phil's uh, YouTube channel, um, also your Instagram account as well. Um, yeah. But in, in the show. There's on Instagram. I'm not doing much on that at the moment because I'm waiting to open up the new facility. Um, and then the other thing would be there are some videos that I put together for children um, at school. So we put them into some of the schools here in Dubai. Um, some of the really good schools adopted these videos and they're just little brain breaks for the kids. So three minutes long and it's just um, various different exercises strung together um, that, that they can do just to get up off the desk and get the blood flowing and the body moving and the, the brain oxygenated. 
Amazing. Amazing. That's, that's something I'll definitely be checking out myself as well. But uh, yeah, some really, really insightful stuff today, Phil. Really, thank you again for, for, for all your insights and sharing your, your story as well. And uh, yeah, definitely, I recommend people check out the content that uh, Phil is out there. As I said at the beginning um, or during the podcast, I think Phil definitely is one of the more um, accomplished, you know, personal trainers, fitness professionals, however you want to define it, but just, just, just really, really good with his instruction technique, making sure things are done properly. And as he said, he's the careful trainer, which I love that <laughs> you should have that as a brand name um, or maybe your Instagram, Instagram profile. It sounds too soft, mate. <laughs> you never know, mate. I was surprised. I reckon if you someone, you'd get probably quite a few clients. Maybe that's some people want that, right? Some people want that. Yeah. It's a market. Um, thank you for having me on the podcast. I love what you're doing. Um, it's so good that you have this passion to to just engage different people um, on the podcast, but also the people that listen to just give them new strategies and ways of um, engaging and being healthier and happier and uh, having more vibrant lives. So yeah, good on you. Cheers, Phil. Nice speaking to you again. Take care, buddy. Thank you to this week's guest for their time and insights. It was a real pleasure speaking to them. All the social media and website links for today's guest can be found on the show notes page on our website, which is www.stayhole.co.uk forward slash SWP. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please share it with someone that you think might benefit from it. I would also be very grateful if you could visit Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and leave me a review. It will really help this information reach more and more people. Thank you. And if you're a health, fitness or wellness professional and you want to be a guest on the show or you have your own personal health and wellness journey that you want to share, then contact me via email. It's sunjay at stayhole.co.uk. That's S-U-N-J-A-Y at stayhole.co.uk. You can get me on Instagram or Twitter. It's at stayholelife or on facebook.com forward slash stayhole. I would love to hear from you. Thank you to Purple Planet for all the music in this episode. And as always, thank you to you for listening. I am forever grateful. And remember to stay whole.